Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Oklahoma Songwriters Podcast, where each week we find out just what makes our Oklahoma songwriters tick. If you've ever been interested in the process of how songs get written, or if you're a songwriter looking for tips and inspiration, then you are in the right place. I do one-on-one interviews with your favorite Oklahoma artists and dig into why and how they write their music. I'm your host, Jared Voluch, and I'm very, very happy you're here. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. This is part two of the end-of-year songwriting tips. Today, you're going to hear selections from Ben Brock, Abigail Don, Kenny Pitts, Rachel Lynch, Clay Coughlin, CJ Stieg, and Harold Bear's interview. So we have, in this first one, Ben Brock. Now, he offers up a lot of nuggets in this um, excerpt we have, but one that really stands out to me is that he talks about a five-year stint of time where he didn't write a single song and how hard of a place that is to be. And now I can only imagine how rough it can be. I, I once sat down my guitar for a year and that was, it left me feeling crazy. And for songwriters, for artists, man, not being creative and not doing what you know you're good at and what kind of set your soul on fire the way this does for us, then it's, it can be a very, very killer place to be. Uh, and so for him, it was great that he had a good friend like Blake Langford to kind of pull him out of this by saying, Hey, I'm, I set up, you know, a place in my backyard, come over, we're going to write. And then he went and did it. And it helped pull him out of that five-year kind of dungeon he had locked himself in um, and helped him climb out. So if you don't have that, man, I I hope, because I, I didn't have anybody to kind of pull me out of it. I just one day picked up the guitar and I started writing again. And I couldn't believe that I had let myself go that long without writing. Um, but if you're in that place or if you ever find yourself in a funk where you're not writing and you know you should be, Man, I don't know. I, I hope maybe maybe this podcast can be the thing that reminds you to start writing right when you don't want to, especially when you don't want to, and especially if there's been a long gap in your writing because it'll it'll bring you back that whatever you write may or may not be a, the next you know great hit that you've written, but maybe it'll be exactly what you needed to pull yourself out and start moving again. And if anyone falls into this place, I hope that you now have some kind of tool to be able to pull yourself out of it. Pick up your guitar or whatever instrument you write on, piano and a pen, and just write something, write anything. But what kind of advice would you try to offer to either beginning, aspiring songwriters or even veteran songwriters on you know, like some kind of tip or advice on how to improve or how to move forward or well, anything I think, like that. Uh, I mean, you got to write a lot. I mean, that's really, I know everybody says that, but. Well, I mean, it, it, there's really a lot the of truth, truth though. Yeah. It, it, the more you write, it's just like anything else, you know, the more you do something, the better you're going to get at it. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I always keep a thesarsis. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, they say reading does it. Uh, I'm not really much of a reader, honestly. Uh, but yeah, definitely just just continue writing. Um, and that's what's cool, like having a phone. You know, you have a phone on you at all times. Uh, if I think of anything, even at work or anything, uh, 
I use my notes, man, like crazy. Even if it's even if it's two words or one word. Oh yeah. That you think is cool or just one line or something, you put it there. You know, you can always go back and piece it all together. Um, you know, like back in the day, it was you had to write that stuff down uh, and then keep it somewhere and hope. Hopefully, you don't lose it. You know, but the beautiful thing you. about having phones now is that, that you don't lose that stuff. And um, and I've actually been uh, I was uh, thinking about unloading my boxes of old lyrics I have written down before I had cell phone and stuff like that, but. And kind of uh, digitalizing it, you know, and, and kind of putting it all on my phone and stuff. And, uh, but yeah, definitely uh, uh, writing, just, you just got to do it. Uh, and don't, uh, don't overthink it either. That's, that's the biggest thing for me or the hardest thing for me to, because I try to, I guess nowadays I don't do it as much, but whenever I first started writing, I try to make it more difficult and just uh, like CJ Greco always said, simplistic complication. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which I think is a cool, cool deal. It's, it's, you know, like we already talked about uh, keeping it simple, man. Uh, Cause you keep it simple. Uh, it's, it's, it's easier for people to um, digest, I guess, you know, than, than trying to, you know, Dave Matthews and all his chords and stuff, his difficult chords and stuff, you know. Yeah. It obviously worked for him, but but it's uh, I think keeping it simple and then going from there is uh is good too for songwriting. Uh but the repetitiveness of, of making yourself right, even when you don't want to. And uh and a lot of people say I hate to force it. Well, yeah, I mean you don't necessarily have to finish it. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be a song you're gonna use. Yeah, as long would, as you're doing it, you know. I feel like uh, that's probably one of the most important messages right there. Is yeah. right when you don't feel like it. I yeah. can't tell you how many times I've broken out of just a, a really bad rut creatively just by forcing myself to right. write anything. Yeah, and there was a there was a there's many years that I w I wasn't writing. Uh, I think there was a five-year span there that were, where I didn't write a song. And I had uh, had these, and I don't know what happened. I, I just lost it, and, it, and it, it was really sad. <laughs> Honestly, it was really sad because I was worried that I was so out of practice that I wasn't, be able to go, I wasn't going to be able to come back from it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then uh, luckily I had... Uh, a friend like Blake Lankford, uh, he, he kind of brought me out of that and, uh, and had me writing again, man. That was, it was really cool. And he bugged the shit out of me. Like <laughs> every time I saw him, when are you going to write another song? When are you going to write a song? You know, cause he, he enjoyed my, the songs that I had already. And, um, and he's just like, you got to write, you got to write, you know, and it, it's easy to, 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 do your life, you know, and not, not think about that stuff when you're as busy as I am. Anyways, it's, it's easy to not do that. Uh, but you have to, it has to be a priority for sure. Um, and that was cool with, with Blake and what he did is, um, we planned on, and we didn't do as much as we wanted to, uh, 
because there was a lot of times I couldn't make it over, but we we just said every Thursday, come over. And, like, he set up, like, two lawn chairs and, like, had this wooden coffee table in his backyard. So we're in the middle of his backyard, and he, like, set it up with paper and, you know, just made it real cool and comfortable, you know. And uh, and that was really cool. Uh, that was where I wrote uh, Cost of a Dream uh, with Blake. I kind of had an idea about that coming. And that's good, too. When we were talking about co-writing earlier is that, sorry, I'm not trying to no, drift go over, ahead, but co-writing is it's good to have an idea of what you want to do or have some lyrics down or a melody or chords or whatever before you start co-writing with somebody because once you have that, then you're bringing something to the table where it's you already have a start, you know? Yeah, it's hard to generate something from absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. You can't. <laughs> Well, I mean, like me and Dwight did that once. Like, uh, I hit him up after work, and I was like, "Man, I really want to write a song today." He's like, "All right, come over," you know. And he was like, "And it was funny because I got over there, and he was all like, man, I was freaking out. I didn't have anything prepared or anything,' you know." He's <laughs> like, "So I've just been like racking my brain for the last hour that you, since you called me and trying to get something down to where we can start, you know." And uh, and uh, he ended up getting a line down, and then I think we wrote that song in, like, I don't know, it was, it was fast. Uh, we wrote it probably two, three hours. Uh, it was pretty cool uh, to do that. But, yeah, with Blake, man, it was really cool for him to set up that deal in his backyard and uh, take the time, man, to to be a good friend. First yeah, that's and a foremost. hell of a and then, thing to uh, do. I mean, yes, he's an asshole, but he's my favorite asshole. Uh, but he, uh, that's how I describe him. Yeah, <laughs> I think everybody does, <laughs> but yeah, it was really cool for him to do that. And it, it brought me out of that. And then I started writing, uh, more and, and that's whenever I ended up finally recording an album too. So, uh, coming from that, it was, it was good. Thank you, Blake. Appreciate that. Buddy. All right. Now we've got a little cut out of Abigail Dawn's interview. Now, Abigail's an interesting case for me because I've actually seen her since she started performing and I've gotten to watch her kind of grow along her journey. And so uh, after years of her writing and performing and learning who she is as an artist, I got the opportunity to, to basically ask her all these questions. And some of the interesting kind of gems that she gives us here are, number one, be honest in your songwriting. Start from a place of honesty and write what you know. Um, and then she also says, sometimes you have to write what you don't want to write talking about, you know, sometimes you need to sit down and you need to write those secrets. You need to write those hard things to say, the things that, you know, you don't want anybody to know about, but it's, this is where the aspect of songwriting is more, it's more of the therapeutic side. Um, because I'll tell you, I've had to write a lot of things that I didn't want to write that were just on my mind just to get them out of the way so that I could write what I truly want to write. I like to write hopeful messages and sometimes I don't feel hopeful. Sometimes I'm, I, I, I don't want to write a sad song, but I have to write a sad song because that's where I am. And, and not every one of those is meant to, to grace the stage, but they need to be written. And it's just as important to write those so you can write the other songs. Um, 
Now, she also talks about another thing that I, that I'm pretty passionate about myself, community. You need, we need to build a community around ourselves as songwriters to inspire ourselves and to challenge each other to be better and to become better. And if you guys don't know where to find these places, they are all around you. I promise. If you are an aspiring songwriter, go look for the open mics, you know, um, with the world of Facebook and social media in general, there are so many places available to search out and track down these places where you can actually go physically be in the presence of other songwriters, other people working on their craft. And that is something that is huge. Community has kept me writing and kept me trying to write better and stronger material since I, since I started writing, um, the day I found, and you guys have heard me say it before, uh, JJ's Alley, the day I showed up there and started writing with that great core group of songwriters that uh, is in there all the time, um, it has broadened my horizons and shaped the musician that I've become and the writer that I've become. Um, so if, I mean, we're Oklahoma musicians, so find these places. There are places in Stillwater, uh, with artists like Isaac McClung heading up some things, uh, over at Willie's saloon. Um, I believe he does that on Sunday nights or Monday nights. Uh, so if you're out that way and you're looking for a place to be accepted and to, and to maybe learn and grow, that's, that'd be a fantastic one for you. Obviously, if you're in OKC, JJ's alley is a great place to do that. Um, if you're more of a jazzy artist, um, or a blues or soulful, kind of feel that's not quite the folky feel like JJ's can be. Um, I know that Christian Pearson, if you look up his material, um, they're doing a lot for more of the jazzy stuff that's going on. And that's actually called OK Sessions. And then also, man, I just, the one thing that I don't have a real good feel on is I need my Tulsa brothers and sisters to kind of enlighten me a little bit more on where their open mics and things are. I know Jacob DeMint hat was running an open mic over at, um, uh, what was that? That was 41 Brookside FKA slow ride for quite a while. And I know he does things like that from time to time and does it in other places. So Jacob DeMint is somebody that's great to maybe reach out to if you're a Tulsa, uh, person. Um, and I know that he's plugged into pretty much everything up there and doing some wonderful things. So that's also a place if you're uh, closer to Tulsa. So uh, from here, I'll just let Abigail take it away. Do you have anything that you want to talk about in regards of like, do you have any advice, something that you would try to impart onto other songwriters? Um, I am starting to learn that the main thing you have to do in order to be a songwriter at all, not even a good songwriter, but just to write songs, is to be honest. That's the main thing. And, you know, we were talking about journaling dark stuff or writing songs that you don't want to sing to anybody. <clears throat> and that's so important. Like, saying that stuff that is uncomfortable or makes you itch or makes you hate yourself or makes you hate someone else or confronting those demons, maybe even writing stories that aren't for you, that aren't you, that make you uncomfortable. Maybe, you know, delving into the depths of humanity, like to get philosophical, talking about the bad stuff, talking about the weird stuff, the uncomfortable stuff, burn it, write it down and burn it. Like 
it matters. It matters. It doesn't matter if you're writing about someone who isn't your partner and you're attracted to them or you're writing about something that you did that you're really ashamed of or writing about, you know, things that maybe you don't want out there. Write it down. Still write it. Don't shy away. Don't say, oh, this would offend someone. That does not matter. Like, and I'm a strong believer in the second part, burn it, (laughs) because you still have to be a functioning person and we still don't want to hurt the people we love. And there are truths that need to stay on a paper sometimes, you know, they need to be closed up. They need to be shut up. They need to be sent away. Yeah. Not everything is meant to be released into the world. Publicized. Not everybody needs to know everything, but telling the truth and having a space where you can tell the truth is the single most important thing to me as a songwriter. And I would say that to anybody who's struggling with songwriting because people will say like, this is turning out cheesy or this is, I don't, I just don't like this or I don't like that or I don't like, and it's like, well, is that what you wanted to say? Is that actually what you want to say? You know? And that's why I think me and you have such a hard time writing with other people because that brutal honesty is such a huge part of what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just hard to do that with another soul around. It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. I can, the, the way that I have found that I can co-write is if I'm in control of the story and mm-hmm. I'm in control of the narrative alone. Mm-hmm. Um, the musical aspect is easily enough. You know, I think anybody can write the music aspect with someone else. Mm-hmm. But as long as you have control of that message and that narrative, it can, that's the only time I've ever made it work. Yeah. That's probably where like it got hard for us. Cause it's neither of us is we're both, we both have our own messages mm-hmm. and we both have our own perspectives and our own thought process and our own rhythm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can get jazzy and sing soulfully the way you do, but it's still not ever going to be you and it's still my style is never going to be able to match yours or copy it like so i mean yeah yeah i dig it yeah so that's what i would say just be totally honest um also the second part of advice would just be live life you know coming from a 23 year old that's rich i know but when you are a person who is creative and you do have anxiety and you are either scared or intimidated or whatever it is, if you live life and you just absorb and take in, and I don't mean just read, like don't just sit there and observe, get in the situation, fall in love, get your heart broken, experience life, experience love and grief and loss and roller coasters and grocery shopping and getting a pet and the pet dying and getting a car and wrecking the car, experience life. And it's like that really, really matters. Just sitting there and saying, I'm going to be a songwriter can only go so far. I agree. Yeah. I like that. It's been really cool to watch you over the last couple of years. It's weird. A lot has changed. A lot has changed. Yeah. But your, your, your outlook is still the same. Mm-hmm. Whenever I talk to you as a young songwriter, just getting started performing, mm-hmm. you knew 
mistakes were going to happen, like living life. You, yeah. But you were excited to make those mistakes. Yeah. And that, yeah, that fire and intensity has not gone away. And no. it's, it's awesome. You're, it makes you one of my favorite people. Oh, shucks. Mm-hmm. It's going to make me blush, old man. That's right. Same here, though. And, you know, it's a, it's a cool thing to have friends that do the same thing. And we can watch each other not only grow as people, but grow creatively. Mm-hmm. It's crazy cool. It is. Yeah. It's neat. Neat. It's swell. Neato. All right. Next up, we have a cut from Kenny Pitt's um, interview. And this is Kenny Pitt's of the Play It Loud series that you see on billboards over and across Oklahoma. Um, he is Kenny Pitt's of Outsiders Productions and... Kenny Pitts and the Raging Peacemakers, which is his band, that he just debuted a an album with just a few months back. So, all right, in this, he talks about basically don't censor yourself when you're writing. And honestly, I can't tell you guys how many times I've written down, let's go with, I wrote down a trash lyric, and I knew it was a trash lyric the moment I wrote this thing down. But it got me to where I needed to go because I got it out of my system and then I moved on and I eventually found what I was looking for. And you never know when that's going to come back in handy, uh, come in handy later. Because even if you think something's trash, it might make you arrive to the right place that you need to be later in a song as well. Um, And then another thing he talks about is basically he talks about being uh, the Bruce Lee of music. And what I got from that was don't let yourself box yourself into a set path. Have patience with yourself to try another way. Always try to come at your song from another angle if you're having trouble with it. And uh, that's invaluable advice that, shoot, I need to remind myself all the time too. So uh, here's Kenny Pitts. Do you have any kind, I always love to ask this question, do you have any tips or advice for songwriters out there, something to that you think you could offer um, to anyone who's out there aspiring to write or who's just interested in the process or just wants to know more about it or anything like that, it's a, uh, just a moment to impart something to the people. Yeah, I've got a couple tips. I think I can, I think I can do that. I feel good <laughs> at that. I've got a couple things I want to say. Uh, yeah, Technology, and I'm talking all the way down to pen and paper, use it all. Don't limit, hey, you have to write it on this because you may not have a pen and paper when an inspiration comes to you. Use anything you can, right? You know, use your voice memos. Use, if you're at work and you can only send an email you can't get on your phone, email yourself. Uh, use all the technology you can and don't be afraid to uh, get out of your comfort zone or don't even worry about other people's comfort zones. You might think, oh, people would think I'm this type of person if I wrote this type of song. Don't worry about that. Write it. Write it is the main thing. Keep on writing and, um, you know, just, uh, you know, like I said, with the brainstorming, let it all out. Don't edit yourself during the creation. Edit yourself in post-production mm. of the writing the song. Uh, otherwise, you something you don't like you wrote in part A Put it on the page because when you're in part S, T, U, and V, you might go back to that and be like, oh, that didn't belong there. 
And now I'm going to change that up. Now it belongs in X, Y, and Z. But if you never wrote that down because you were ashamed or you thought it was ridiculous to write down, you may never get it at the end of your song that you wanted it and where it should be. Put no limits on how you should do this. And I like to talk about spiritual things. And I, you know, religion, whatever, meditation, prayer, religion. What I want to say is... Uh, I'm going to tie this in with how you should songwrite. They say that if you're trying to find yourself, uh, if you have a spiritual counselor, that spiritual counselor should never tell you what you should see or feel. They may help you along the path. Same with writing. Don't let anybody ever tell you how you should write. Learn the tips of what they think is good and bad, but don't let that be your governor. Don't let that be your limiter. Don't let that be your Bible. Nice. Do your own thing. Take into consideration uh, what they say, but don't let that limit you. Be the Bruce Lee of music. Combine all these styles, and not just styles of music, styles of writing, styles of recording, styles of taking things in, styles of listening, styles of uh, even writing down and repeating things, and just, just, just write it down and look at it later or look at it now, <laughs> do whatever you want, but just write it, create it. All right. This next cut is from local singer songwriter, Rachel Lynch. Now, um, and it's actually going to be two cuts from her, her interview, uh, because both were too good to pass up. Um, now this first one, it talks about, we have a little conversation about how much work it really is to play music full time and to be trying to do this deal. Um, just, I used to fall under the delusion that once I left my, I left my nine to five to do music full time because I thought it would be nothing but blue skies and sunny days. And I was absolutely mistaken. Uh, I work more now than I've ever worked in my life for less also. Um, but I will say I, I love what I do and it's worth it. Um, most days anyways. <laughs> uh, now it's the second cut is going to come immediately following. So it's going to seem like there's an interruption, but, uh, don't be thrown by that. Uh, in the next cut that she, uh, we go to, um, we talk about making mistakes and moving on in the moment making mistakes on the fly and then recovering and just going forward. Now, this is really important for beginners and seasoned professionals. When you make a mistake with your band, especially you guys just have to move on. There is no stopping. There is no saying, I'm sorry. Um, and this is kind of about trying to forgive yourself for those mistakes. Um, when I was a kid practicing, I used to get so angry when I would miss a note or I would forget a lyric. Uh, but luckily I, I had a really great teacher and his name was Greg Standridge. And he asked me point blank one day when we were, um, when I was in one of my lessons, he said, how many professional athletes have a perfect game? And then he said, have you ever, have you never missed a question on a test? Have you <sighs> never made a mistake? You know, he's like, you're never going to be perfect. You have to forgive yourself and move on. He said, anytime you make a mistake on stage, just smile and recover as best you can. Um, he's, and he also admitted in all his years of playing, he said, 
He's never had a performance where he didn't make a single mistake. He said no one does. Professionals just know how to cover them the best. And that's, it really helped me. So I stopped making faces on stage. I stopped getting mad and wanting to stop a song. I just, I moved on and accepted that moment for exactly what it was. And you know what? Next time it'll be better. So here's Rachel. It's just so intense. And some people, you know, they're like, oh, Rachel, you have such an easy life. You know, you play your, you play your shows and you have a couple days off and, you know, you don't have to wake up until noon. I'm like, yeah, but I'm also constantly working. Exactly. Whether it's on the new album or merch, you know, I got two button makers and so I've been making buttons like a fucking champ and, <laughs> you know, there's always something to do. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, I can take a break and go hang out with my cats or, you know, play a video game. Um, but there's always something to do. There's a, yeah, there's all every musician that is working, especially doing it full time, there is always some kind of anxiety uh-huh. in their mind and in their on their chest at any moment of the day because there's still something that they know they need to be doing that they haven't done yet. Yeah. Or there's progress to be made because you 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 are your own brand, you're your own company. Mm-hmm. You're the reason you succeed or fail. It's not people see you playing on stage and then you walk off and they think you're done. Right. And I'm like, dude, even when I'm hanging out afterwards, mm-hmm. it's because it's part of the job mm-hmm. to, and it's not like I'm playing a character, sure. but, but part of the job is sharing yourself yeah. with your with your fans and your friends and the people that are there to see you. Yeah. Part of that job and cre- keeping the dream alive mm-hmm. is by living it. Yeah. And, and even, so that's all part of it. Even on your breaks, you know, that's exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Going out and talking to people like you don't, you don't get a break and just sit there. Well, sometimes I do, but you don't yeah, just sit you there run, by you yourself away. and like, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, always work. Yeah. And Whenever I have the band, sometimes I will let, I'll be like, you guys go visit with people. <laughs> I'm going to go outside and breathe. Just take a breath. Ugh. Yeah. It's, it's important to take that little bit of time for yourself sometimes. And I feel like you really have to. Yeah. Because it's, it really is like you're working 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. I'm always thinking of new material. I'm thinking yeah. of new stuff. I'm Even when you dream. Playing. And that's a really good point is it doesn't have to be perfect because yeah. what is in life Besides like a perfect circle, which great band. Mm, Um, (laughs) Well, so many people I get, a lot of new songwriters will show up on that to JJ's on a Sunday and they'll, there was a guy that I met just this last Sunday and who was super, super nice guy. He had seen me play a set the previous Sunday and he was, he was just talking about how impressed he was with everybody, all the songwriters and stuff. And he was super nervous about his playing that night because he was going to do the open mic night. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, man. Fuck it. Don't yeah. be nervous. Whatever happens up there, it had to happen tonight. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, because uh, he, he went up there and he like, his guitar wasn't working right. Oh. And then his vocals were messed up. And Boy, he's like, have I been there. And he's like, I couldn't even remember the melody of my song. I was so scared and so mm-hmm. nervous yeah. and, and all this stuff. And I was like, man, that's the way it had to be tonight. Yeah. Next It'll- time it won't. It'll pass, you know, like, like I said, I used to almost throw up before every single one of my sets for like a whole year. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, oh, this is my job, you know? And if you make a mistake, don't admit it. Fuck it. People don't know what they're listening to, you know, like, Mm -hmm. especially if it's your first time playing, uh, you know, that song at that place, whatever. If you forget the melody, just play another chorus. You know, they're not going to know unless you say, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Fuck that up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
And then, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. People don't know. And mostly people don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just here to listen. Whatever happens, happens. And just like that, you <laughs> just know? Just like that. <laughs> Whoops. I think the first thing, one of the biggest things that ever hit me was like, when you make a mistake, just smile. Yeah. Smile and move on. Because at first, especially when you're a younger musician or, or early and you're like playing, people will say like, like you, you, your immediate reaction when you fuck up because you're used to playing by yourself is to get mad. Oh yeah. Or to make a face or like whatever it is. Well, when you play live, there's no stopping. No, never. Recovering from a mistake as a musician is what separates professionals from amateurs, honestly, mm-hmm. because the best people know how to cover it mm-hmm. and move on. And they know how to catch themselves after a mistake and keep going. Oh yeah. And just rolling with it. Rolling with mistakes is how you, I mean, Jesus, that relates. So it's like life in a mm-hmm. nutshell anyways. For real though. But in music, that's the, that's how you do it. Yeah. Turning I, mistakes into something beautiful. The very first time I played with my band in front of people, it was, it was our first show and it was a battle of the bands. So it was nice. a year ago and we were like, yeah, all right, you know, we'll do this. It, if we won, we got... $500 to give to charity, which that's a, you know, a great incentive a for yeah, a show. A yeah. And we did it and <laughs> we had practiced this song, I swear, fucking 40 times. And in my head, I, it was my first time playing with a band in front of people and I am so used to solo. And if you fuck up, you know, you <laughs> just you ignore it and move on. But with a band, there were three other people around me that I was going to mess up as well. And I just felt so bad but they all recovered so quickly. They were just like, you know, we're here. Now we're here. That's fine. I skipped a whole verse. I was oh, so embarrassed. Yeah. And um, yeah, they, but they all recovered so well. And it was just like, it didn't even happen. Nobody knew because none of us got mad. We didn't say sorry. We just moved on. And it was awesome because of that. And so that's just, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just, uh it's a really cool thing to happen yeah. and it just it's what you got to do. You just got to yes. move on. Shit happens. All right, next up we have Clay Coglin. Now, uh this is actually a a portion that I really wanted to get to because uh part of the reason that I developed this podcast was not only to educate myself on things, but also to maybe spread that knowledge as far as I can. So if you have any kinds of questions or you like to learn about chord progressions where you would like to learn about them, this is a good little snippet of uh, a way to do that. Uh, Clay's going to talk to you about several examples of songs, but one of the main points that he talks about is that he talks about learning your favorite songs. Don't just learn your favorite song. Actually tear into it. Once you learn the numbering system for uh, chord progressions, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven chords, uh, you can actually start looking at what people are doing. Say if they go from, you know, the one chord to a major third, which is usually a minor third, uh, if you look at what it's supposed to be um, normally. But anyways, uh, so... Listen to this section with Clay, and uh, we'll just let him take it away. One thing I really want to talk to you about, uh, because I I love the way you play. I love your style, um, the way you move through your chord progressions. It's not a basic model. Um, 
And so I wanted to talk to you about how you, just your songwriting process, you don't have to talk about just chord progressions or anything like that, but I know that you probably are somebody that you develop music before lyrics sometimes and probably also develop your lyrics after or whatever. I rarely develop lyrics before. Okay. Sometimes I'll think of a phrase, right? And I'll think that needs to be in a song. Mm -hmm. But I've never sat down and wrote basically a poem without you know, a melody or just lyrics and melody and then put chords behind it. Never happened. Um, usually, um, I'll come up with, I'll be jamming and I'll come up with, I'll just try out a chord progression I like and I'll go with it. I'll come up with one line that's good or chorus or something to drive it. And then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take it from there and, you know, I'll write, two verses worth of crap that I know I'm going to replace just to fit, get a final point. You know what I mean? Right. I might get a start and a finish and then I have to go back in and redo everything. But I mean, as far as chord progressions go and how, like how I write them, um, you know, I'll oftentimes I'll hear somebody do something with a chord progression. That's interesting to me that I just want to emulate. Um, like, um, great example is like, uh, Karma Police by Radiohead, like a masterful chord progression like that. Absolutely insane. I'll hear something great like that and I'll think, I'll have to implement that. I'll have to go to that weird chord that they do. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what that was, man. It was because <sighs> I could show you. There we go. Okay. That'll um, be easier. Because so- I was just trying to remember the number. <laughs> Um, so because it was out of the chord progression, it, it didn't match. Yeah. Right? Okay. So that has like that has something I love, which is called temporary tonic shift, where it, uh, like changes mm-hmm. the key changes like from the verse to the chorus and halfway in between all that shit. So it's like, uh, um, let's see, where's C on here? It's right here. So it's uh, um, this is what you get. This is what you. Right, right. And what that's doing is, you know, th- so that's key of, I think about it because ukulele is weird, uh, key of G, right? Um, basically, so it's C to D, and then it goes G, and then F sharp, but really when it goes from G to F sharp, you're kind of in the key of D, and that's like hitting a four to three. Right. So it goes from- Because the way, because you're starting so on when, C. Yeah, so when it goes to that one, yeah. that G- you don't know it. You're just on a four, yeah. and you just don't fucking know it until right. it hits that next one. So when I find something really interesting like that, I want to emulate it. Um, you know, like the the song we listened to earlier that I wrote, the progression is basically the Dock of the Bay progression. I hmm. mean, it's the same structure. I mean, it's it's oh. One to the major three to the four, and then it walks it down to the major two. Hmm. And that's been used on a lot of shit, you know what I mean? But it's I great. need to take more time and sit down and actually look at chord progressions like that just so I can recognize the patterns that have already been done mm-hmm. like that. Because I, Yeah, yeah, because, dude, that's how you get it. Like, I steal a lot of my shit, dude, straight up. Yeah. Because, I mean, 
Well, everything's stolen. Everything's regurgitated. Yeah. Everything's taken you're in. You're not going to make up a new chord yeah. progression, so just steal that shit. Karma Police, Sexy Sadie by the Beatles. The Beatles did it long before. Sexy yeah. Sadie. They do, they do that weird chord, and, you know, Radiohead was just smart enough to steal it. Yeah, and creepy enough to make it. Their God, own. they're creepy fuckers, dude. <laughs> but that song's masterful, you know. The, yeah. the, and I can't play it on a ukulele because I'm really not that. It was super happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Karma, yeah. Karma police. Yeah, yeah, there it is. When the moon is your eye. Um, but yeah, you know, um, I like guys like David Bowie. Elton John, um, Brian Wilson, a common element I find amongst the great chord progression writers is that they'll often have a very rudimentary element to a song. Take um, Life on Mars by David Bowie for an example, which is a masterful chord progression. Like, fucking Jesus Christ, just learning it is fucking mm -hmm. near impossible because you're like, why is it going to this chord? What the fuck, dude? Um, and that's all rooted around a chromatic bass line. So all it's rooted around. Hmm. Stairway to Heaven, too, rooted around a chromatic bass line. It just walks it down one note at a time. Um, God Only Knows by Brian Wilson, chromatic bass line. Um, it's, it's everywhere. You see it everywhere. Um, um, that's, uh, or, um, I did it my way by Paul Anka made famous by Frank Sinatra, um, chromatic baseline nice. and life on Mars is modeled after I did it my way because Paul Anka, that was a French song and they tried to get David Bowie to write lyrics, Yeah, but they passed on his version cause it wasn't good enough, gave it to Paul Anka and he wrote my way. So then David Bowie was like, well. Fuck you guys. Fuck you guys. <laughs> this is life on Mars now. Oh. <laughs> uh, what a she devil. Yep. But nice. I mean, dude, you know, sometimes I just want to write a three chord song, you know? I four five, baby. I do I got I actually got obsessed with the four chord progression for a while. And I did that I actually I tried to get stuck on a three chord. Because uh, I was taking a look at some Taylor Swift tune, mm -hmm. and I got super mad because I was just, I was jealous. But I I mean I now I understand a lot more than I did then about why she's as popular as she is. Mm -hmm. um, but I got obsessed with this this pop model. These people mm -hmm. that they use the same four chords, and everybody who yeah. comes out, you know, twenty nineteen is going to be the year of this chord progression. And every major hit pop song is this the, the same regurgitated progression, just yeah. reharmonized in some form or fashion. Totally. Um, and so I got obsessed with that thought, and so I made um, one of my more popular songs. We love to close with it. It's called "Love Your Company," and like, it's just four. It's four chords because uh, my keyboardist made me add an extra chord. Okay. He was like, "I get it." but this is way too fucking boring. Mm -hmm. You've got to do something to change it a little bit. So we changed mm -hmm. it. Uh, uh, but it, yeah, and it's just, I got obsessed. And so I did the the entire song is the exact same four chords in the exact same order mm -hmm. from start to finish. Bob Dylan was a master at the three chord song. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I, a fun exercise for songwriters is to take a song that you have or that someone else wrote that has a lot of chords, seven, eight chords, key changes, mm-hmm. and reduce it. Yeah, make because the, you can. Make, because you can. You can take, okay, for example, like, you know, if your progression is, let's say, Don't Let Me Down by the Beatles, that's minor two to the five to the one. But that minor two is interchangeable with the four. So you can do four, five, one. Hmm. That's some stuff that I need to dive into for sure. Yeah. Is a substitution. Just to understand it better. Mm-hmm. But yeah. No, that'd be an awesome exercise. Because for- I mean, think about it. it. Let's say you got a a song, you know, Blitzkrieg Bop by the by the Ramones. Everybody fucking knows it, right? It's one, 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 four, five. Um and if you don't know your numerals and you're a songwriter, learn them because they're not that hard and they will fucking like open your shit up. Like they're great. Oh, yeah. Great to know. It makes everything simpler. But instead of doing one, four, five, you can take the relevant minor chords and make that a minor song. And like the exact melody line will fit on top of that. Huh. And so you can always interchange the relevant minor, you know. The one for the six, the two for the four, or the three for the five. Nice. And you got that weird diminished seven in there. That's just a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was always been hilarious to me. Uh, just make it a seventh and call it a day. Mm-hmm. All right. Now on this next cut that we have, it's from CJ and Stieg's episode. And uh, these guys are two local Norman guys, and um, they co-write together, which is impressive enough, Uh, but they do harmonies pretty much throughout all of their music, which are absolutely beautiful. And they talk about something that uh, we've all been through and we all need to remember is okay sometimes. Um, They talk about fighting tooth and nail to get this song out. They sat for hours and hours looping the exact same verse over and over again, trying to make sure everything was coming out the way they wanted it. And you know what, guys? Sometimes that's what it is. You just can't give up. Let's talk about here we are and uh, be detailed about how you guys actually sat down and wrote, even if it's boring, even if it's, you know, a loop pedal playing the same verse over and over and over and over again. And I was yeah. just sitting there for hours. Yeah. <laughs> just toiling away at what should be on that piece of paper. It actually, it had, it had started out as a love song for the uh, relationship I'd gotten out of. Fun fact. It was, uh, I'd writ- wrote the whole thing by myself, but in the end, I didn't like any of it aside from right. aside okay. from the chorus which stayed the same essentially i think we kept the chorus and then scrapped literally the rest of the song and then i approached him with it and said you know hey i, I really enjoyed this chorus and these words but i hate the rest of the song please help <laughs> and then like he said took a monkey wrench to it yeah we sat down and uh you know, I looped it on a on on a on a pedal, put it on a loop pedal. Same thing. We'd come up with uh, some kind of instrumentation, the instrumentation you heard, and liked that. And from there, we worked with uh, 
vocal melodies and once we'd found the melody itself we started putting words to it man so do you guys do all of your vocal melodies just off of your ear pretty yeah, much yeah pretty yeah. pretty much pretty yeah much. jeez it's really well done <laughs> thank you <laughs> a lot of the harmonies do tend to have a bit more of a <coughs> i don't want to say like a a complex side to it but i definitely don't like strictly doing thirds or strictly doing fifths i tend to i tend to mix stuff up a little bit so there's definitely a bit of deliberance to it yeah As it well, you, you do a lot of landing on the four and resolving to the third which is that it's kind of a classic like that's what that reminds me of the alice in chains influence a right. lot but there's not a soul doing it anymore. Like, <laughs> Oopsie. Not a soul is doing it. I know Jerry's yeah. happy. <laughs> He's got to be happy. Uh, but yeah, so you guys just pound that out and loop it and then just kind of go through. Yeah, it's most uh. of the time how it works. And it's and it can take, I mean, hours yeah. on just, I mean, I think we've spent easily two, three, four hours just sitting there looping and just listening to the exact same thing it's literally just it's almost like brainwashing yourself (laughs) brainwashing yourself with the same lick it (laughs) you know it 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 kind of is and also it's like running through a maze (laughs) but there's gotta be the way out (laughs) where (laughs) fuck (laughs) there's no way we're getting out of this one alive boys beautiful all right this next segment is from harold bear's interview and this little snippet of our conversation is a is a huge reason why you want to save songs you want to record them you want to catalog them especially the ones that you don't finish because you're going to be able to recycle them you're going to be able to use them you're going to be able to part those out for inspiration later on and uh yeah so enjoy See, well, like you were saying about writing a song or starting a song at one point and then putting it away and coming back to it. My problem is with that, like sometimes I'll come back to it and I'll go, I don't even remember the headspace, the headspace. So I don't remember the, I don't remember the, the frame of mind I was in. And so the meaning of whatever that is, whether it be a verse or a chorus, even though I love it, it's like, it takes on a whole new meaning. And then I'll like, I, I just had this recently. I have this, I have uh what I would consider to be a verse, I guess. I have two verses, that which I really love, and but I can't find anything to go with it. And when I wrote it, it was in like a really like anxiety-ridden time of my life. So it's, it's kind of almost about anxiety, like I guess, or it was at the time. But now when, I, when I'm singing it and playing, I'm like, I just don't feel that. I don't feel it at all. I'm not anxious. I'm not yeah. in that place. So I don't really, I don't know, I don't know how to finish it. And so everything that I... You know, like I, I was writing something the other night and uh, it it was almost like politically tinged or something. I'm like, this just doesn't feel right. I mean, it works with it. Yeah. But it's not, it's like, it's almost like, okay, it's one song during the verse, then it turns into a whole nother song during, at least in my head it does. I don't know. I don't know if that translates to a listener or what. Yeah. So that's the problem I have with shelving songs, you know, because... They take on completely different meanings to me later. Well, and sometimes that that is what happens uh, for me. I just call them recycles. You know, yeah. it it goes back in. I I I quit focusing on finishing 
that Mm because it's no longer that. This is just a, it's like a broke down car in the lawn that I'm parting out at that point. Yeah. And so that's how I use that song. That's a good way to look at it. And so I eventually I'll recycle it because I'll, I'll be like, you know what? I really do love the guitar part though. Yeah. And so I'll start hammering around on that and then I'll be, I, I might finally explore and find like, okay, here's the chorus chords for this. Yeah. And then I might, you know, I might then come up with the chorus and then it, once I have the chorus, I may go back to those verses and be like, is there any way that I can slant these or whatever? And yeah. sometimes I wind up just pulling the melody off of it and yeah. abandoning the words and yeah. just rewriting that part of it. Yeah. Sometimes I've kept the words and then got to uh, do it, did a new melody. Yeah. Or, or, or sometimes, uh, I've had, I've had a, a course that I, I brought into a, a, an old course that I brought into a new song and, uh, but it was at a completely different key. So like, I couldn't, oh, I couldn't, couldn't sing quite, the chorus yeah. the same way. Cause it was like out of my range. So I had to kind of like rearrange it, but it ended up working. It was cool. So, and we play it with my band every time we, uh, well, yeah, you never know. Play. Yeah, nobody would ever know. But you never know I what's going to happen. No, oh. well, I just mean you never know what's going to happen. You don't. Yes. You just fire shots in the dark, and then yeah. eventually they land where they're supposed to. Do you ever get that feeling though that like, because I I don't know. I always want to strive for something that's new. Like I always want to. Mm-hmm. I always want. Like I want to come up with something I need new. To break out of my. I want to get something fresh, yeah. and I feel so goddamn lazy. Like if I. I've, okay, so I've got this song and I'm missing the chorus. And like I said, and I rob a chorus from something old that I've written. I know it doesn't matter, but there's that part <laughs> of me that's like, God, I'm so fucking worthless. Like I, I just I should write something new. But then I it was like, and I steal that and I use it and it works. And then I feel it like it makes jerk. me question my ability because I'm like, maybe I'm all out of fresh chords. <laughs> I'm driving right fresh up ideas. here. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. And that's, that's, it's so stupid because it's just a, like a mental game I'm playing with myself because yeah. nobody knows well, your bar is so high. I, you, the, I, the, the farther along you go, yeah. the more, the higher your bar gets for what you is, what is acceptable for excellence in your mind from yourself. And it is insane. Oh God. I know. Because that's why I, I've drifted back and used old ideas that I'm still like, man, this was awesome. Yeah. When I thought of that idea, I had no motive. I had no desire. I was just playing around. Yes. And in a moment of just pure, you know, inspiration and joy, yeah. this idea came out. And I, and so I, and it just sits there because it, I couldn't really do anything with it at the time. Yeah. And so later I wind up recycling it, but yeah, maybe you, you know, you write things that are ahead of their time. Maybe that's a good you know, way to for look yourself. At it. And then yeah. you get to drift back and use them. Because you're finally, you're at a level where, well, now I can play this and sing over it or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this week's podcast. Next week, we'll be coming out with part three of three for the end of year tip. And yes, I am going to play you one of my songs and I'm going to talk about it for you. So come on back next week, guys, and keep on writing. <laughs>